Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Uh, today, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm really thrilled to speak to this nephrologist, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Block. We go back a long time. Um, we were uh, kind of on the speaking circuit together uh, about five, ten years ago, and it, it was really interesting because uh, we got to spend a lot of time with each other and hear each other speak. And I, I always feel he's so patient-centered and always wants to help people who have kidney disease have a better quality of life. And I, I'm so happy to be speaking to Dr. Jeffrey Block. He's the vice president of nephrology at Riata Pharmaceuticals. So welcome to the show, Dr. Block. Hi, Lori. Thank you. I am absolutely thrilled to be here talking with you. Really looking forward to it. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've known you for years and you've, you know, practiced nephrology, treated patients, advocated for them for, for better care on so many levels. And uh, you joined a company now called Riata Pharmaceuticals to treat, uh, to treat rare forms of kidney disease. So tell us a little bit about your background and then why you chose to, you know, tackle this, this area of kidney disease. You bet. I am. Um... You know, it's funny, Lori. I, I appreciate, first of all, everything you said. I have, you know, I've known each other a long time, and I feel like when we when we uh, did present, you know, nationally and internationally, we we have a very similar passion for trying to convey a sense of um, commitment to patients with kidney disease and a sense of urgency about needing to do something about it. And uh, to me, that's what I've been doing for twenty some years now. I. Um, as you said, I, I was part of a private practice in Denver for a very long time, and I started a research division there. And for 22 years or so, I um, had a small group of small team that was with me for a long time that we focused on on designing, writing, and conducting trials to help make the lives of people with kidney disease better. And um, feel really privileged that we were able to do that. I spent a lot of my time um, in the in the area of bone and mineral metabolism trying to understand phosphate and hyperparathyroidism and how that affected uh, patients with kidney disease. And then over the last, you know, probably like many people in, back in the in the mid-2010s, um, I became involved with this program with Bardoxolone, which is a medicine um, being developed by Riata Pharmaceuticals. And um, at, the, at that time, they were developing it for people with really advanced chronic kidney disease due to diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. And... There was a lot of excitement around that trial. There was a lot of interest in that trial because uh, previous work had shown, a, sort of unlike anything else we've ever used, it showed an improvement in kidney function. And so there was a lot of anticipation of this. And then, unfortunately, um, you, may be, you may remember that that trial got terminated, actually, right. prematurely and stopped because there were some concerns about safety related to Bardoxolone. Anyway... Um, that program, many people felt, um, you know, sort of stopped in 2012, but in fact, it didn't. It kept going, and they kept doing work trying to understand the pathway and understand why they had seen this signal, and we can get into that in a little bit, but bottom line is, I, from that moment I first started treating patients with that medicine, I told that company then and subsequently that I've never seen anything like that in a patient. Um, it helped people 
feel better. It helped them move more. It helped them do more. It made their kidney function better. And, and I had told them at the time that if you ever come back into the kidney disease space, I want to be involved. And, um, and they did. They ultimately did. They, they did a lot of work in the background. They understood the mechanism. They understood the, how this, how this happened. And, um, you know, Lori, when they approached me with this opportunity, I thought to myself, it's not just rare forms of kidney disease. I really believe that this, this pathway has the opportunity to change people's lives. And, um, that's what I've said I've wanted to do for a long time. And I've been doing it, but now I had a chance to do it at a, at a bigger level. So, It brought me to the same place, but in a sort of broader sense. Well, you know, I've witnessed over the evolution of living with kidney disease since, you know, age two, 50 years, so many medical breakthroughs from um, that have made a difference in my life. I mean, you know, EPO, when EPO came around, I didn't need blood transfusions anymore. A lot of medications for bone and mineral metabolism, we didn't have anything. And then the transplant medications just got better and better, which, you know, I think a lot of people who jump into the kidney space may not see that. But it is very exciting when you can develop something. I mean, Gilead and the hepatitis C drug. I mean, that just saved so many people's lives. So, it's Perfect very exciting, yeah. um, very exciting. So um, tell us, um, I, I'm just curious, what is Bar, I, I'm going to try to say this, Bardoxalone, <laughs> who names there these things? Who names it? Bardoxalone. <laughs> Did I get that right? You got it right, Bardoxalone. Yeah, it's not, so it just what does it do? What does it do? Like, tell me the science behind it. Yeah, so to me, that is just absolutely the one of the most fascinating things, Lori. Um, it is, at its core, it affects, um, sort of the cellular response to stress, and that sounds pretty vague, but um, it improves um, mitochondrial function, and it turns out mitochondria play this absolutely critical role in in response to cellular stress. And when I say cellular stress, I mean things that you have heard of, like oxidant stress. People talk about you know oxidative damage and antioxidants, and so mitochondria. In addition to this really important role in creating energy and making energy, they play a really important role in dealing with reactive oxygen species and and dampening the inflammatory response. And so bardoxalone um, activates a pathway that's called NRF2, and it's a little complicated, but the, the end result of activating NRF2 is that it's a it's the way the cell normally responds to an oxidative or inflammatory stress, and it does what happens downstream of NRF2 activation is this, you turn on all of these proteins that are protective to the cell. So you have to make a bunch of antioxidants in the cell, primarily, you know, related to glutathione metabolism and making sure the cell has enough um, uh, glutathione to help, you know, deal with oxidant stress. You make, so you, you shift mitochondria back towards making energy and away from making these reactive oxygen species and it turns out NRF2, we've learned this over the last decade or so, NRF2 plays a direct role in suppressing inflammation. And it turns off this key regulator of inflammation called NF-kappa-B. And you're probably familiar with that from your transplant medicine. But NF-kappa-B is this sort of master regulator of, of downstream inflammation. And of course, inflammation is a good thing when it's localized and acute and reversible, but it's a bad thing when it's progressive and chronic and severe. And... So at the end of the day, bardoxalone helps restore mitochondrial function and it helps restore the ability to handle oxidative stress. It helps restore antioxidants and it reduces inflammation all in, a, in an organ, in the kidney, 
that is really sensitive to this issue. I mean, as you know, the, the kidney is just metabolically incredibly right. active. It requires so much energy, and it's at the same time in this environment that barely has enough oxygen, right? So in terms of oxidative stress to the cell, it can't really handle too much more stress. And, and uh, so what happens in kidney disease is that gets altered and you, you lose NRF2 or you reduce NRF2. And so bardoxone helps restore that and, um, and tamp down inflammation and restore this process. So bardoxone basically gives your kidney a spa day. Um, um, I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to like, you know, because it is, you gave a lot of numbers and stuff like that. But um, from, from having a kidney transplant, uh, and I think, people are learning more about it, but inflammation is really the cause of so many problems when something gets inflamed and people understand that, like if you have arthritis and a localized area of inflamed, like my ankle's inflamed, I can put ice on it, I can do that, I can help it get recover, but when it's inflamed, it can't heal. And, uh, you know, with my transplant, what I know, if I show any kind of inflammation, it could be that my antibodies are trying to to attack it. And yeah. um, so, you know, all the treatments now are trying to prevent the inflammation, uh, uh, um, which I think we're learning so much because, you know, inflammation wasn't part of the dialogue 20 years ago. Nobody even talked about it. You're, you're absolutely right. And what's so fascinating is that everybody thinks of inflammation, as you said, in this sort of, you know, well, something's got to be red, hot, swollen, you know, that sort of thing. But what, what you know from your transplant and what we now know from so many kinds of, of kidney disease is that the inflammation we're talking about is happening at the cellular level, at the, at the, in the tissue itself. Right. Um, so it, you turn on this inflammation when it's sort of out of control and, and, and progressive creates this environment that, that damages the tissue around it and ultimately leads to scarring. And, and so there's this chronic long-term complication of local inflammation that is causes this progressive loss of kidney function. And, and what we now know is that even in diseases that are not sort of classically felt to be inflammatory, like Alport syndrome that we're right. studying right now, it turns out that inflammation is causing this baseline um, diminution in kidney function. And when you address it with paradoxone, we immediately see kidney function get better and stay better over the long run. So that's the key. You, you nailed it, is that inflammation is driving this loss of kidney function. And that's what's so darn exciting about what I'm doing and what we're doing with Riata and, and, and our medicine is being able to treat that aspect because nothing we've had so far has treated it. So tell me a little bit about what is Alport syndrome? Tell me what what's going on in the body because that's a genetic illness, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's um, a lot of people have, haven't heard of it. I think that um, it's felt to be uncommon, but the, the, the bottom line is it's a genetic defect. And it causes an abnormality in type four collagen. And make a it's a it's a complicated story, but the simplest thing is there are three different components to type four collagen. Um and they're called the alpha chain three, four, and five. And sort of the classic Alport um patient is a is a young man who has a X linked defect in the alpha five chain of collagen. And what that does is it causes the filter of the kidney not to work properly. And that causes all of these downstream things we just talked about. It causes inflammation and progressive loss of kidney function and fibrosis. And so the, it's interesting. It's, so many people think of it as an X-linked disease. And for many people, it is. But it turns out, as you know, you've probably done podcasts on, you know, the next generation 
gene sequencing has is changing our world and is changing right. nephrology. And we now can do next-gen sequencing, and we now are beginning to see that, in fact, um, defects or mutations in the collagen 4, either the 3 or the 4 chains, also produce these these very similar-looking downstream effects on kidney function and loss of kidney function. And those individuals have a different kind of Alport syndrome, but they have Alport syndrome. And, um, you know, we're just sort of on the cusp, I think, of bringing genetic precision medicine into nephrology, and it's it, it's actually a little exciting to be there. We, um, we, we're we going to help do that by, by offering some genetic testing program, and I, you and I can talk about it if we have time, but... Um, but so Alport is this is this genetic disease that affects type four collagen and causes progressive loss of kidney function in in men and women, and that's one of the things that that people sort of don't realize. Women aren't carriers of this disease; they actually have disease, and many of them, twenty twenty five percent of them, are going to end up with progressive loss of kidney function. Well, and you said regenerative medicine. I get that, you know, because I grew up watching uh, the Six Million Dollar Woman and uh, huh. the different TV shows about, you know, they just kind of, you know, it was a different type of regenerative medicine. They just like made them bionic. But now that we're using terminology like the cellular level, we can really change the process of how the body functions by like intercepting some bad signal that the body's sending out and saying, I, I remember I was so excited when I understood this about secondary hyperparathyroidism. It took me so long to say this. And <laughs> there was a drug that came out that helped prevent your uh, your parathyroid from producing two more because it basically blocked it and kind of fooled it that you you had enough, even though you didn't. I, anyways, all those kind of things. I was like, I just visualized like a a, a circus in a mirror, like a funny mirror, like telling the body, you don't need to make any more PTH. And it really helped patients a lot um, because uh, they're working on the cellular level of how the body operates instead of replacing a body part, which used yeah, to be that, <laughs> which is not really what you want. Up. You're trying to butter me up, Lori, because you know that SHPT is my I I've know. Spent a lot of time. I know. Yeah. I know. And, and now they changed the name. I'm like, you know, I just learned how to say secondary <laughs> hyperparathyroidism. Then you say bone and mineral disease. And, anyways, it's um, but it's That's exciting. Like say secondary hyperparathyroidism. So we had to change it. Yeah, I, um, I, <laughs> I know. Well, actually, those of us who could say it need to have some credit. Um, <laughs> But uh, so tell us a little bit about like what trials are going on because people may be interested. What would you know? Who are you looking at to help with this drug? So um, let me tell you, it's pretty interesting. We have um, we're studying bardoxone currently in patients with Alport syndrome, as we discussed, and that clinical trial is fully enrolled. Um, as you know, there's several phases, and we're in the phase three of that clinical trial. It's fully enrolled, and it's a two-year trial. We expect to report the one-year results um, uh, by the end of this year. And what's so nice is that the, the, the regulatory agencies have told us that the one-year results might actually be serve as the basis for what they call accelerated approval. So that's, that's on its way, and we hope to get those results by the end of this year. We've also just this year published data on, on what we call pilot studies, but so phase two studies, but where we studied several other rare forms of chronic kidney disease. We studied patients with polycystic kidney disease, autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease. We studied patients with IgA nephropathy, and we studied patients with type 1 diabetes, mm -hmm. and we studied patients with something called FSGS. Um, 
I can't say that. F, f, <laughs> focal segulum, like, you know, anyways. Okay. Yeah, focal uh, segmental glomerular sclerosis. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, so anyway, we are studying, um, we, on the basis of really good results, and you know, Lori, one thing we didn't say, and, and we talked about what bartoxalone does, but we didn't talk about actually what it does for the patient. What it does for the patient is it makes kidney function better. Right. It makes actual kidney function better, and it makes EGFR go up. It makes we've we've measured this with creatinine clearance. We've measured it with iothalamate clearance, and most importantly, we've measured it with inulin clearance. And it makes kidney function better. So, in all of those trials, kidney function got better. So, on the basis of that, we launched a trial that we're um, enrolling right now. We just started in May for patients with autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease. Um, so, that trial is ongoing, enrolling patients, um, and if people have autosomal don- dominant polycystic kidney disease, you know, we would love to, you know, um, uh, you know, see if we can find a research center that, uh, that might be able to help them. Um, now I should tell you that we have a partner in Japan who is continuing to study, uh, Kirin, uh, KHK, Kirin Corporation, actually, they just changed their name, it's KKC, but they're studying type 1 and type 2 diabetics with Bardoxalone. And their trial is also a phase three trial and, and uh, fully enrolled. So lots of different kinds of kidney disease right now that we're, we're working on. Tell me a little bit about Bardoxalone. Is it an IV drug? Is it by mouth? Um, does our hair fall out if we take it? Have they found any side effects? Or can you not disclose any of that? No, you bet. I'm, no, I'm happy to. Um, first off, it, uh, I'm happy to say it's a once-a-day oral medicine, right? So, um, um, so that's nice. It's really simple to take. Um, and, you know, because of what I told you before about the, the trials in, in the, you know, 2010 timeframe, um, we know a lot about how it's tolerated and what to expect when people take it. And there were some, as, as I said earlier, that particular trial got terminated for a, for a safety reason. And, and that reason was that in a very particular subgroup of people with very advanced kidney disease, um, they are what we call very salt sensitive. And it turns out in those individuals, bartoxone has the potential to, in the short term, increase salt absorption from the kidney. And that can result in fluid retention and fluid overload. Oh, and I see. So we learned that. And as a result, we are patients with, who are, who have, um, what we call congestive heart failure, pa- patients with congestive heart failure or um, who have evidence of that with a blood test called a, a BNP, um, we are not allowing into our, into our current trials, and we haven't since that time. Just that simple restriction, uh, Lori, um, we haven't seen any issues with fluid retention or fluid overload since that time. So that's one issue that, that your, you know, your audience may, um, may be familiar with. The second is I can tell you that the, the, the most common side effect of Bardoxone is an interesting one. It's muscle cramps. Um, this this medicine absolutely affects cellular metabolism, and um, in animals, um, it's really clear this medicine affects. It improves lean body mass, it reduces fat body mass, and it affects literally affects cellular energy production. Um, so muscle cramps are the thing we see most common. They happen as you uh, in the beginning when you introduce the medicine. Um, they tend to be mild. They're sort of like just like cramps you would get if you exercise. You know, you have to, some people have to stretch and massage and, and then they go away. You become, your body adapts to having this new level of cellular energy production and, um, it gets, it gets better. 
But those are the, that's the most common side effect. Well, and I, you know, it's 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 always fascinating to hear about clinical research and how you know um, when I started going to American Society of Nephrology, I started going in 1993, and I've missed one year. Uh, since then, but every year, and I always want to relay this to patients, that you go to these meetings and you see all these people working behind the scenes to make our life better. And we don't often see that when we're in the doctor's office or in the dialysis unit that, you know, you just got to hold on till the next miracle happens. And and I'm evidence of that because I had my fourth transplant in 2011 and I had 100% antibodies. And, you know, 20 years ago, there wasn't a solution for me. But thanks to researchers, you know, they came up with all this different um, IVIG, Rituxan, all these different medications yeah. that would put my immune system to sleep so I wouldn't reject the kidney or, or damper it or however you yeah. want to say it. And, uh, you know, my, my kidney function, my transplant is 0.8 today. And, uh, um, you know, it's just there's so much hope if you just and that that's real e- reason that's for this right. interview is because I think a lot of people just lose hope and they, you know, they just don't think that uh, that there's much future because of whatever's going on. But, hey, somebody's always trying to solve a problem you have. Hey, that's the message, right? I completely agree with you. It's about hope for the future. And um, honestly, if someone had to ask me, that's why did I why did I leave my research group practice and, and join Rihanna, it's because I feel like this medicine offers hope for so many people. Um, you know, interestingly, there's finally a recognition um, that we should be trying to treat um, people before they get to, oh, you know, this, this terrible term, end-stage kidney disease, right? right? Like, we should focus on stopping the progression and, and, and actually making kidney function better. Um, right. and, and you know what, for so many people, the future, if you have this genetic disease, if you have Alport and, and you, and you happen to have, for example, X-Link, your man, you know, you lose hope. You, right. you, you just lose hope. And, um, I think that's what we can do. I completely agree with you. We, we, we have an opportunity to, I think, fundamentally change the the landscape and offer people hope about their kidney function over time. Well, and oftentimes with genetic illnesses, patients. Uh, and and I love the fact that, you know, I, I don't know if I taught you this, Dr. Block, but, you know, you always refer to them <clears> as people who have kidney disease, which I really appreciate yeah. because people say patients, 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 patients. And I'm like, no, we're people of kidney disease. Our kidneys failed, not our brain. I got to remind right. them, you know, yada, yada, yada. But a, a lot of people who have been dealing with genetic illnesses have witnessed their family members not do well. So it kind of doubles the anxiety that, you know, yeah. I'm going to end up like like my family member. And so, you know, it's a little bit uh, more frustrating because they, they know what's in store. Uh, you know, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Um, so uh, so you talked about a little bit of trials. We'll, we'll post uh, a link to um, the website uh, on our interview. But uh, Dr. Block, anything in closing you would like to say? I think a lot of professionals may be listening to this podcast in addition to patients. Anything that you would like to close with? You know, I think that, Lori, the, the most important thing is, are the things that you brought up. Um, one is we have to remember that we are moving forward. We are progressing in our knowledge and our understanding of why these different kinds of kidney diseases progress over time and what we can do to target the fundamental biology that's common to them. Um, I think that that's, to me, there's, 
there's, it's unquestionable that this pathway has demonstrated it has the potential to improve kidney function. And to me, that's just incredibly exciting. I think that nephrologists in particular and patients, excuse me, people, as you said, people with kidney disease <laughs> need, need to, we all need to march forward into this era of, of precision medicine, which is not treating everybody the same and treating everybody with a particular kind of disease the same and trying to understand the actual molecular basis for why that individual has that disease and why they're getting worse and what we can do about it. And I feel like we're headed, we're getting there. You know, we, we really are getting there. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, Lori, and more than that, I appreciate what you do for patients. And well, and if your enthusiasm is any indication of where we're going to end up with <laughs> bar doxalone, because I can say the word now, uh, I think, uh, you know, we're in for a treat for some real progress in kidney disease. So thank you on behalf of patients for trying to solve problems for us. You bet, Lori. Thank you for talking. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.